Hi, I'm Pastor Lori Boucher, and I want to personally welcome you to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Are you ready to study the Bible together chapter by chapter? If you go to heartstrong.life and sign up for a free membership, you will get access to the full Bible reading plan and all the bonus discipleship content that we have prepared for you. Open up your Bible and get ready to take some notes because God is going to speak to you today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together through the study of God's Word. Okay, here is a short overview of what we're going to unpack today from Genesis 4. Uh, We're introduced to two of Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel, two brothers from the same home, but two very different hearts. Abel, Abel was a righteous man who wanted to please God. He was obedient, Abel was humble, he was God-fearing. And then Cain, on the other hand, was evil. Cain was full of anger, resentment, and selfish rebellion. Now, after being dismissed out of the garden, Adam and Eve, not Cain and Abel, um, Adam and Eve, Eve brought children into the world and humanity grew in numbers, but also in depravity. Their children were taught God's ways by their parents. However, their children had to choose obedience, right? So just like you and I have the freedom to choose every day. Many years after Cain and Abel's story, the world became even more evil, and we all know about that. It became so evil that God deemed it necessary to destroy the human race and start completely over with only one family, Noah's. You're right. What an incredible man he must have been to be chosen, right, for this purpose. God chose one, Noah. And in Genesis 9, um, 13, we will read all about the covenant of the rainbow. It was really a powerful sign. Um, A very important sign because it indicated our Father's intent to restore what has been lost through Adam and Eve, through the sinfall. God wanted restoration between us and Him and was creating a people that a Savior could be born out of. He knew a Savior was needed to save people from the bondages of sin and Satan, but He also knew the people had to be ready. Now, what was needed for this restoration? Three things. Man would need to be willing to be rescued. The damage caused by sin would have to be paid for, and only someone who was guiltless could pay that price. And the third thing that was needed is Satan's influence and control had to be broken. Now, these are a lot of seemingly impossible things, but not for our God, right? This was all fulfilled and accomplished that day at Calvary on the cross. Now, I know you might be going, Ermory, what does this have to do with Genesis 4? Well, I want you to be aware of this. I want you to be aware of the then and the now, okay? So before the cross happened, this happened all, all happened at the cross, but before the cross happened, here in Genesis context, which is where we're at, people had to bring offerings to God for their sins because all of that that was done on the cross didn't happen yet. So they had to bring offerings and offerings had to be given in a certain way. And in this chapter we study today, we really see a great illustration of this through the life of Cain and the life of Abel. So before the cross, people were all punished by God for disobedience. They were punished for rebellion, they were punished for self-righteousness and so forth. There was no forgiveness for sin, only punishment. We have to keep this in perspective. The sacrificial death of Jesus is the only thing that sets us today free from punishment. 
God needed to save mankind from its destructive behaviors and he sent Jesus to save us. Through his death on the cross, he proved his incredible love for us, which is so beautiful. And it is this love that helps us and should help every person, you and I, today on this planet, to give up that urge of rebellion, the flesh. The damage that was done through Adam and Eve's disobedience was also paid for through the cross. And at the same time, Satan's control and influence was destroyed over any and every person who calls upon Jesus. And if you want to, you can go read a little bit more about that in Genesis 1. Uh, verse 1 to 2 uh, and uh, Genesis 1 verse 1 up to Genesis 2 verse 24 and then also in Hebrews 12 verses 26 and 27. I could read a little bit more about that but I want to remind you again of the context here as we study Genesis. In the Old Testament God cursed and punished people for sin. That's right. We don't live under that anymore because Jesus took all our sin on him and forgave us for our sin from yesterday, today and tomorrow. Praise Jesus for that. And we now live under a new covenant, right? This, however, this is important. This doesn't give us the ability to now just sin left, right, and center and not care because, well, Jesus already forgave us. He died on the cross. I'm already forgiven. No, let's not make grace cheap. Grace is so valuable. It's a gift. This gift that Jesus gave us by dying on the cross, we can only receive that really with a humble heart, a thankful heart, a teachable heart through repentance, knowing that we cannot have any of that without Him. You and I are called to a higher standard because of Jesus. When we call Him our King, it means we are part of a new family. We are royal heirs of His kingdom. Princess and princesses behave differently. Not because they are afraid of punishment, but because they know who they are. They know who they belong to. They know who their daddy is. And they know they are called to a greater purpose and a greater plan, which requires them to do things his way. And that will look differently than the way of the world. So let me ask you, are there any areas in your life where you are still allowing rebellion to cause you to respond in disobedience? causing you to respond to the flesh and do things my way. Something for us to think about. Are there relationships in your life that are holding you back from becoming the son or daughter God longs for you to be? A child that desires to please the Lord first and foremost. That's who I want to be. Let's pray. Let's just pray together. Father, we ask that you will come and convict us of the righteousness that we are in Christ Jesus that we are in you that we get to be your children heirs of your kingdom convict us of the areas in our lives that does not line up with that we want to we want to be all yours and we want to live all for you we want to say yes to you and if if there are things that are withholding us from that show us and guide us we want to also come and repent if there are things in our lives that we have chosen to hold on to. We don't want any of that in our lives anymore. We want to be all out for you. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, just through that simple prayer, if the Holy Spirit brought something to your attention, I want to encourage you to share it with someone. Share it with a pastor, with a leader, with an accountability friend, partner, 
Accountability really is so important and it'll help you to suffocate that rebellion and walk in his ways in a greater way than ever before. Now, let's spend a couple of minutes together as we dig a little bit more into Genesis 4. Um, I want to invite you to pick up your Bible and read with me Genesis 4. Now Adam knew he, Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why was your, has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain... Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. The en then to Enoch was born Erad, and Erad begot Mehujal, and Mehujal begot Methashal, and Methashal begot Lamech. Then Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the second was Zilah. And Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. And as for Zilah, she also bore to Baal Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. Then Lamech said to his wife, Adah and Zilah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me. Even a young man was hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, from Cain, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. 
Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. <sighs> That's almost making me sweat. Well, there's so much we could unpack here. But to begin, I want to help bring clarity to the why. Because this was the biggest question for me. Why did God accept Abel's offering and not the offering of Cain? If God accepted Cain, this story would have ended completely differently, maybe. Well, we don't actually know exactly. And I've done some digging, and there seems to be three possible reasons that have been argued by theologians and scholars. The first is the possible reason that we can call the value reason, the value of the sacrifice. When we read the text, we specifically see that it mentions that Abel brought the firstborn animal from his flock. He also brought the fat portions. And Cain, on the other hand, brought some of the fruit from the land, is what it says. Now notice that it specifically mentions that Abel brought the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock, while all it says of Cain was that he presented some of his crops as a gift. So it's possible that Abel was particular about the value of what he could bring the Lord. He's very best. In the same breath, it's possible that Cain just grabbed what he could find, gathered some fruit, and that was that. Maybe he even deliberately brought the blighted, pale, and limb portions of his crop. It's possible, if he had a bad attitude. We also read about this offering in the New Testament in Hebrews 11 verse 4. You can make a note of that, Hebrews 11 verse 4, where the sacrifice Abel brought is called the more excellent sacrifice. That very possibly could be referencing the value of the actual sacrifice. Now, we know from later scriptures that animal sacrifices had to be very specific, without blemish. And even grain offerings had some specifications. You can read more about those also in Leviticus 1 verse 3, if you want to write this down. Leviticus 1 verse 3, Malachi 1 verse 8, Leviticus 2 verse 1 to 7, and also in Leviticus 2 verse 11. That's just if you want to do a little bit more digging afterwards. So the first option was that it was about the value, and that's why God accepted Abel's and not Cain's. The second option is that it was the kind of offering that made the difference. So we'll call this the kind option. So what kind of sacrifices did they offer? In Genesis 3 uh, verse 21, you would have read earlier on um, that killing animals to clothe Adam and Eve's sin by doing that, God had set forth a pattern of blood sacrifices, right, that had to be offered to him for sin. Now, we don't have scripture to confirm this, but when we learn about the culture, we can assume that God probably instructed Adam that when there was sin, an animal had to be sacrificed and offered to him. And we know that Adam would have taught his sons the same expectation. So if Cain knew this and then decided instead to offer what he wanted to, what was easy, ignoring what God had commanded, then we know that that offering came out of utter disobedience. So that's the second one. The first one was the value. The second one was the kind, whether it being an animal or, or from the crops. And then the third option could be the heart issue. What was the heart behind each of these offerings? So I want us to go back here to Genesis 4 verse 7 and read verse 7. It says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. If I look at the scripture in context, it surely looks to me that God is referring to some unrepented sin Cain had in his heart. 
right? It sounds like God is saying to Cain that the reason why he is not being accepted is because he has not been doing what is right. Because it says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So he's saying like, if you do the right thing, you will be accepted. But if you do not do well, you will not be accepted. So it's like, what are you doing? Right? Maybe that reference to he didn't bring the right offering while knowing what was expected. So intentional disobedience, like I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. Or maybe it is that Cain has been living with evil in his heart, unforgiveness, jealousy, hatred, who knows? And God is saying, I cannot accept your sacrifice if you do not repent, fix your heart and do what is right in your life. Maybe Cain's attitude, his heart, heart's attitude behind the offering was what could not be accepted. That's another option. Now, in the New Testament, John reflects back in history when he wrote this in 1 John. You can go there with me if you, if you um, have your Bible with you, which I'm sure you do. 1 John 3, verse 11 to 12. It says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's works were righteous. Hmm. Now, Cain's works were evil and his brother's works were righteous. But if you read it again, you'll see Cain's works were not deemed evil because he killed his brother. No, his works were evil, which was why he killed his brother. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? So the murdering was not what made him evil, because his works were evil, and his brother's righteous. What are the evil works? Well, again, it doesn't say exactly in Genesis, but it could very possibly refer to the offering itself. If this is the case, it would imply that Cain did not violate instructions from God on what uh, God, he did violate the instructions from God on what type or what quality or what heart's attitude is required when he presented offerings or sacrifices to the Lord. So do we have an answer to the question why? No, actually not really. But I actually think for you and I for today, we can look at all three possible options and ensure that we can check off all three in our own lives. That's how we can apply the scripture to our lives. So I want us to be challenged here. The value option. This is your question today and mine. Am I giving my best, 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 best for the Lord? The most value? My first fruits? Am I giving him my tithe as soon as I get paid as the most important thing I do? Or do I see if I have anything left at the end of the month to give? My most valuable time? Do I make him my number one priority in my day? Or do I give him my last few leftover minutes of the day for a quick sleepy prayer before I fall asleep? The kind option. What kind of offering am I giving him? This really is a question of obedience, in my opinion. If God tells me in his word he wants me to do A, B, or C, and I choose to do D, I really cannot expect his blessings in my life. If I choose to do things the way I want to do them or what's convenient, then I directly remove myself from the promises he has spoken in his word. I remove myself from his promises to come true. God is not a man that he would lie. We have to take him seriously. And then the heart option. This is probably the one that pulls them all together. 
That which is in our hearts is always the most important to Jesus. We have to remember that. If I have a humble heart eager to do his will, obedience will come. If I have a thankful, generous heart, I will want to give him only my best. Our Father is a good, good Father who looks at our hearts. And if we can fix our hearts, we don't have to think about what we have to do. Then we are pleasing to him just because of our heart's attitude. Now, one more thing I want to highlight today. There can be a, a bit of Cain in all of us on any day. You might be thinking people like Cain are the evil ones. They're, if they exist today, then they'll be the ones in jail. And even though that would make life a lot easier, unfortunately, that's not the case. There are numerous mentions of Cain and Abel in the rest of the Bible, and, and Jesus talks about it um, in the New Testament because Jesus knew that we can all learn from this historic event. He wants us to look at it and learn from it. So what can we learn from it? Well, Cain had evil in his heart, evil in his works, and unfortunately many of us, more often than what we want to admit, have some of Cain inside of us. Let's look at what the Word is trying to teach us through all of these um, mentions about repentance. Okay, so we see a few character references to their characters, to Cain and Abel's. Abel was a faithful and a righteous man, sacrificing to God the very best he had. Cain was a jealous, hateful, and murderous man with his works being ascribed as evil. Why? And you and I have to ask that question. Why? Why two brothers with two completely different characters? Same parents, same household. Well, we just looked at a few possible reasons as to why Cain's sacrifice may have been rejected. We don't know for a fact, but what we do know and how it relates to you and I is that everyone makes mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes, but we have, we, and we all have done evil things in our lives, and we sometimes have evil thoughts right now, and we'll have some tomorrow. We've all had jealousy in our hearts, but... So what I'm saying is we're all going to have some Cain. We're not perfect, but what we all have is we all get confronted with our mistakes, at, at which point we have two choices, and the one is to repent and the one is to remain where we are. We either remain prideful or we humble ourselves and we repent. And even as we have been studying this chapter today, there might be some exposure happening in your heart, some conviction. I want to challenge you really, don't shy away from that sense that you're feeling. It's oftentimes painful and embarrassing in some ways, but the good thing is you and I also have two choices today. When we have sin that gets exposed like that, we have two options that we read about in, in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. Godly grief or worldly grief. In 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10, we read that um, godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. What did Cain choose? Worldly grief. He had self-pity and jealousy. He chose pride and didn't acknowledge his mistakes. Cain was not teachable or humble, and the result of that was a life without life, a life that brought death, death of his brother. It's too bad, really, that Cain couldn't get to a place of repentance. He had the chances. God was so merciful. We see two times, two opportunities where God showed mercy to Cain, where he could have said, I'm sorry, God, I was wrong. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Please forgive me. The first time God showed mercy to him was in verses 6 and verse 7. So let's read that again. They brought the offerings 
God did not receive Cain's offering, and God said to him, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. God is saying to Cain here, you can be and will be accepted. He's telling him exactly how to, <laughs> if you do what is right. Cain could have repented right there and said, God, I want to do what is right. Cain could have humbled himself, softened his heart and said, God, that's what I want. I want to do what's right. Please help me. But no, he didn't. And then also in verse 15, we see the other we see the other uh, option, that the mercy that God gave um, Cain, and he had the option. Right after he killed Abel, and the Lord said to Cain, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. God was so nice to him. He didn't deserve that. It was Old Testament. Punishment was his. But God again showed mercy to him. God again softened his heart to him. God showed mercy by putting a mark on him so that people will know not to kill him. Another opportunity for him to say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for having mercy on me. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. But no, instead, just more offense and anger built up in Cain. It's so unfortunate. We all sometimes have a Cain inside of us. But God's goodness and mercy is hunting you and me down every single day. And just like Cain, you and I have the choice every single day to repent. The choice to say, help God, I want to change. I don't want to do this like this anymore. I want to do things your way. I want to walk in obedience, but I need your help. Now, as we finish up, let's look at the last mention of Cain in the Bible. And it's in the book of Jude, the second last book of the Bible, just before Revelations. In Jude verse 4, We see this, Jude is writing, a brother of James, For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Judy's warning against people who have crept in and led people away from the truth as they walked in the way of Cain. Move forward to verse 11, also in Jude. Woe to these people, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Hmm. Jude warns that ultimately their deeds will be exposed as full of hateful anger, resentment, resentful and self-serving profiteers and those who reject authority and cause division. It will be exposed. And if you and I walk in that, it will be exposed. If we harden our heart and we don't repent, can't get away from it. It will be exposed. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to make sure I'm an able Abel was a faithful man, righteous and God-fearing, a man who gave his very best to the Lord. His heart was always pure and humble. He was always teachable and submissive to the Lord. He was um, 
whatever you tell me to do, Lord, I'm going to do it my best for you, kind of man. Cain was not. God had mercy on Cain many times, even though his works were evil. But Cain remained prideful and deceitful and wouldn't repent. Let's pray together. Father God, we want to bring our hearts to you this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whatever time of day it is. We want to just say here we are with our arms open. We want to give all of our Cain-like characteristics and, and habits and thought patterns to you. We want to just lay it at your feet, Jesus. We want none of that in our lives. Make us like Abel. Remind us of our righteousness. Remind us of who we are in you. And let us not be in a place where we allow this behavior and these character flaws to creep in to our lives, Father. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us an increase of discernment so that we would immediately recognize this in our lives. And that you would increase our ability to humble ourselves and repent. We want to say that we're sorry. We want to be all that you want us to be. We want to, we want to give you our best. We want to give you what you want us to give you in obedience. And we want to check our hearts at all times. Thank you for your word and thank you that we can learn today from Cain and Abel. We love you, Father God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the HeartStrong shop with all kinds of awesome merch like hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs to remind you of this awesome journey of discipleship that you are on. Log in to heartstrong.life to access all your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible bootcamp for kids. Let's become HeartStrong disciples together.